Hey everyone, welcome to the Sneaker History Podcast, where we dive into the people, stories, and iconic moments that have helped make sneakers a global phenomenon. If you've ever told someone that you like their kicks, then you're in the right place. Before we lace up this episode, here's a little teaser for you. Stick around to the end of each episode for the last shot question. It's a chance to test your sneaker knowledge and engage with our community. I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com slash newsletter for a weekly deep dive into the biggest topics in the sneaker business. All right, now that the business is taken care of, grab your favorite pair of kicks and let's get started with the episode. Jordan trying to shake off Starks. Oh, what a move! Against Gil, the crowd on its feet. Allen for the win! To the Sneaker History Podcast. What up, what up? Welcome back to the Sneaker History Podcast. My name is Nick Engvall. I'm with my guys, Robbie Falke and Mike Guillory tonight to talk some kicks. What's going on, fellas? How you doing? Yo, doing good, man. You know, same old, same old right now, but I can't complain. How about you, Robbie? I'm doing good. Um, Since Sunday, we've had a... Uh, commitment towards fitness and eating better from two weeks straight of not working at all and post-mating everything. So, like, got some miles in the past two days, had some salads, oh. feeling good. Nice, nice. Good Probably job, feeling feeling good from that. Definitely do. Um, shout out to On, so I've been wearing those running shoes every time I run. It's like, well, I got free runners, might as well actually use them. And I genuinely enjoy wearing them. I feel kind of silly having all Nike stuff on and then it's like the on shoes. But um, there's, you know, as someone who doesn't run and is not fast, um, they just feel good on my feet and they help me go a little bit further than I would have, which still is not that far relatively. So <laughs> I recommend a pair if you're looking for a pair of runners. Nice. Do you, do you happen to know what model it is? Yeah, so um, I've been wearing two different ones, the Cloud Travis and the Cloud um, uh, Nimbus, I believe. Right on. We'll uh, link to those in the description for you guys, too. Um, I, on the other hand, sorry, I, on the other hand, am um, still on a anti-exercise, eat as terrible as possible diet it's basically been like uh what i guess we're on week four of quarantine here in la so i'm on uh i'm on my fourth going into my fifth straight week of carb loading for whatever i may be <laughs> carb loading for man but, ramen like we, we got ramen probably like four times at 10 days it's like oh man we got chill <laughs> ramen is Ramen is my weakness, man. So I, I have like this weird, weird thing. And I, I don't know why. Maybe it's because like I didn't grow up in a family with money and we were really pretty poor. Um, but I love ramen noodles still. And I always have. But it's always weird because I find myself like if I have like I'll have like just cheap top ramen, whatever brand, you know, I like Sapporo noodles, which are like the baller, like 70 cent packages. Oh, snap. I'll have that. <laughs> I'll have that. And then I'll have like, like 
a glass of crown or like I'll, I'll smoke like a $20 cigar in the same day that I eat a bunch of 50 cent ramen noodles. It's just a weird thing. And I have no idea why it's that way, but it's been that way for a really long time for me. So thankfully I enjoy ramen noodles, throw some frozen vegetables, some eggs, some spinach, all whatever you want in there and mix it up sometimes. But just as long as you got sriracha, I'm happy. I'm I'm a happy man at that point. So, no, we're dumb. We've been dropping like fifty bucks on ramen delivery. <laughs> Not, uh, Dang. yeah. See, I started trying yeah, to make it at my house. Hey, man, the, the hotter the better. But um, yeah, enough food talk. I was like, I can go on a whole tangent about what I've been eating, but I'm just, I'm, I'm not going to. <laughs> So uh, we want to talk about obviously a little bit of news um, and probably get into some some Kevin Durant sneakers. But before we do that, we wanted to shout out um, a review on iTunes that we got from, uh, let's see, John 316A. He says, love the podcast, guys. Keep the content coming. There's some easy choices for NBA players that are only playing because God made them athletic freaks. Granted, they put time in the gym. I'm a Laker fan, but Dwight, Shaq, Wilt are at the top. If there were if they were six four, none of them would have been in the NBA. There are a few players that you can see put in a lifetime of work to develop skills. Had they been given more athletic ability, could be the greatest of all time. Nash, Kyrie, Steph. To the point, none of them can defend simply because they don't have the athletic ability to lateral move and physically defend top guards. So that is a super dope review. And specifically, he gets into something I've been meaning to talk about and wanted to put out to our listeners. So Robbie and Rowett have been recording, uh, you know, kind of more of a sports focused version of the podcast for the past month or so. And this is a, in response to their episode discussing the the comments from was it it was Harden, right? Um, yeah. And, you know, I think we've been we've been toying with the idea of moving the sports podcast into kind of its own lane. So you could subscribe to both of them individually. So if that's something that you're into, um, leave us a comment or DM us on Instagram or Twitter, or, you know, just tweet at us, whatever, because we're really trying to make this as easy as possible for you guys to get the content from us that you like. And I think like in my mind, like that might be a way that we shift and, go a little bit further into sports and then maybe get a little bit nerdier into sneakers on this particular podcast. So, um, but we also want to make sure that, you know, that makes sense. So if you're cool with us, just rolling the way we've been rolling, where you're kind of getting two variations of the podcast, um, on this one subscription that you have, hopefully you're subscribed. If you're not, please do, um, let us know, leave us a comment, tweet at us, DM us on Instagram, whatever. Um, we just want to know what you're thinking and how, how you feel about that idea. So um, obviously, John 316A, thank you for the review. If you guys have time to leave us a review, we would definitely appreciate it, especially on iTunes. It's really the best way for us to kind of grow this community that we're building here around the podcast and to get in front of new people because, you know, the more you guys leave us reviews, the more it elevates our podcast in you know the world of sneaker podcasts to other people for other people to be able to find us so we definitely appreciate it and um we look forward to reading reviews on the next episode here's an example of how it could benefit listening to um we call the know your roots aspect of the podcast so we had mosh customs on and we had this fantastic interview with him 
But then on the sports side, we talked about a lot of his shoes in detail and how, you know, he works with the WWE. So it's just like added stuff to kind of go along, but it's more sport focused. Yeah. And I think too, like, you know, you guys have done a great job with, you know, just getting more into, I guess, I guess I would say more into like athletes and their on court performance in the basketball world or, you know, like even the, like you said, the WWE stuff, I think, you know, there's lots of ways that it could go, but we want to make sure that everybody is, you know, kind of able to pick and choose. Cause I know that podcasts are a really finicky thing when it comes to subscribing because you subscribe for one thing. And, and I've been on the other side of that where you're like, wait, they don't even talk about the shit that I wanted them to talk about anymore. So, um, but obviously we hope you guys just like listen to us bullshit because that's basically what this is about. And that said, you know, we're going to get into some, uh, some BS right now, I guess. Uh, what do you, before we do, what are you guys rocking and copping this week? Um, today I had on to go to the grocery store for 10 minutes was the human made, uh, Adidas solar, solar hue. Um, Super comfortable, super basic, super slept on. Um, what I'm copping right now, I don't know. Probably looking at those uh, those Reebok questions, the uh, the black and white ones, or white and black ones, but the ones where you scratch off the black that turn gold. So those are pretty high on the radar, I think, right now. At some point, <laughs> what about you, Robert? Oh, Robert's talking to himself. Yeah. So, I mean, keep this in mind. I'm going to say that I put miles in. So two miles. Um, but that's the only time I've left the house. So I literally have been wearing these cloud stratuses by on only time I leave the house. But I did sit around yesterday afternoon and I took the cool gray fours out and I put some white laces in it. So I touched another pair of shoes. Um, when it comes to copping, uh, I keep telling myself that I do not need the DMP six. I really want them, but I looked in the closet and I have five pairs of gold shoes already, like black and gold, gold and white, whatever. And that's definitely not a summer look that, you know, high top black suede or new buck, whatnot. So I'm, I'm just constantly telling myself, no. <laughs> so they're on my radar though. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of how I am with everything. There's nothing that I'm, you know, fully committed to pulling the trigger on as far as copping goes. Um, you know, the, the questions that Mike mentioned are obviously on my list. If you know anything about me, you know that, that those are a must have. Um, but the Nike Air Max Total Orange is probably, the Air Max 90 Total Orange is probably the next closest thing for me. Um, and as far as what I rock today, um, I didn't actually do much. So I was uh, checking the mail and some Sandal Boys slides, which I don't want to even plug them because Fran isn't connected to the business anymore. So disregard that anyway. But uh, yeah. So I think we should we should just run through some interesting stuff that, that came out, um, I guess, today, today, yesterday um, around the coronavirus stuff with um, the companies that are kind of stepping up and helping to 
supply masks and various, you know, personal protective equipment for um, people instead of, you know, manufacturing shoes or apparel like they normally would. So um, it's kind of a two a two sided uh, conversation because I want to talk about obviously the the footwear brands. You know, we've seen. Nike, uh, Nike, Vans, Under Armour, New Balance. Uh, I'm trying to think, was there anybody else that I saw all kind of contributing either masks or various, you know, things to people affected by, you know, the coronavirus. Um, I also saw uh, an interesting thing yesterday, day before, um, that I thought we should talk about and Vans is actually trying to help, uh, small businesses through this, like foot the bill customization program that they're basically partnering with small businesses. Uh, so the, the gist of it is that the, the, it's called foot the bill customization program, and it's designed to assist around 80 independent small businesses ranging from skate shops, restaurants, music venues, community-driven spaces, et cetera, et cetera. They make limited edition eras and slip-ons, um, and they turn them into the Vans Customs. So I say that, and I think, like, it's really cool that Vans is doing this. I also see that, and I'm like, well, hasn't Vans already been doing this? Is that anything really different than what they've already done? Not that they need to be, you know, doing anything, right? Like, at this point, like every company is trying to figure out how to keep the lights on. I understand that. I'm not trying to like, you know, pick on anybody, but I just saw it and thought, well, that's kind of weird. And then we talked about the van situation in Hong Kong, you know, whatever that was six months ago, where basically they they denied making the customs for one of the people that had the highest votes because of the political ramifications that you know, potentially would have come from it because it was pro, um, it was, the, the design was in support of the protesters in Hong Kong, right? So my question to you guys is, do you expect companies to go out and proactively do things differently than they already have been? Or, and, and the second part of that question is it, does it apply to all the footwear brands or do you just, you know, cause like we can, we can look at Nike and think Nike's going to throw $15 million at this. That's expected because we know Nike does that, whether they do it from a place of it's a great marketing tool or a place of they really want to help. I don't want to get into that conversation because it's not our place to judge that kind of thing. But how do you guys feel about what has been done with all of these brands and do you think it's enough? Do you expect more? Or is it just, do you feel like it's it's just become like more of a marketing thing at this point? Um, I mean, it's, it's hard to say what to expect from people, um, especially in this situation, because, I mean, we want the big companies who have the ability to help to help. But at the same time, we still look at the safety of the people who are in those factories. You know, if they're not just throwing money at it, if they're trying to produce product like Nike, um, you know, it's a new balance is tr trying to produce masks. So it still involves people. So, I mean, I think it's awesome that they're, you know, doing what they do. I mean, I help any way you can. Um, 
yeah, I guess to a degree, I expect the, the big players to be able to you know, at least throw, you know, some assistance when it comes to, to funds to issue, you know, maybe help support, you know, the, the creation of, you know, ventilators or whatever, maybe whatever is missing. And if there's a shortage of cash, if they can help donate with some, you know, some cash, I think that, yeah, I expect that. But I, I think making the materials, like such as like the mask or, um, I think that's kind of a, a above and beyond. I really didn't expect them to do anything like that. And you, in most cases, people throw money at the problem and see if it sticks. Um, but I don't. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm glad that some of them are helping. I don't expect smaller brands uh, to really be able to do much because they're trying to make sure they can stay afloat. Because a lot of those guys are probably having to let go of employees and things like that. But those bigger guys, you know, Under Armour, Nike. Adidas, New Balance, the Reebok, those guys, I expect them to th maybe, like I say, if they can't produce masks or produce equipment, I, I I see them putting a little money towards it to at least, you know, help with efforts. So it's a really good point to make that not every brand can. So if you can pivot into making something that can help, you should. But retailers, are going to be hit hard now and probably hit harder hit harder the next couple months because for things to go back to quote unquote normal it's going to take quite a bit of time to have people coming into stores so Nike can do that Under Armour can do that Adidas doesn't own their own factories so for them to go and start making masks it's going to cost them extra money to do so nike has the materials and owns the factory so they can do that at some places they don't own every factory but rmi here in oregon um you know innovation like it's a whole factory like they can pump stuff out right there so like anybody if you have the means to you should do what you can if you don't then i'm not going to fault anybody or say you're not a good company for not helping with that said you know, there's tons that, you know, we can do, you know, it's funny how Bill Gates seems to be like the calming voice <laughs> right now. If you watch any of the news, it's like Bill Gates is all up in the news, like telling you how it more realistically is going to be than the president. So like he definitely has the means to do so and can do a lot. And he has been doing a lot across the world for many years. So those people are showing up and that's great. But when it comes to like footwear and retailers, like they're entering a dark day. Like if you can do it, but um, I definitely don't think it's expected for everybody to lend a hand when there's going to be some suffering financially. Yeah, I do think that, that, you know, I, I guess it's hard for me to separate you know, the, the types of companies that are typically, you know, I guess doing what I would consider the right thing or really about people and, and, you know, not that they're not a company and not, you know, the bottom line is they need to make money if they're a business, but there's a lot of companies, you know, um, I don't want to like name anybody, but you guys know, one of the companies that I was working for most recently that, you know, ended my contract with them and they own their factories as well. 
And it's hard for me to, to not expect more from them. Um, they recently let go of a lot of people. They closed their factories down, you know, pretty quickly as soon as things started to kind of get tense. And I think that was smart in one sense, because you're going to protect your employees. They're going to be safer in theory, as long as they still have that job. Right. But when I look at the way that, you know, certain companies are, are marketed, right. Just to use Nike as an example, Nike being the kind of forefront of, of fighting for people's rights, standing up for, you know, diversity, inclusion, like really making that a part of their brand, um, you kind of just naturally come to expect them to put their money, you know, it's kind of like put up or shut up type situation when shit hits the fan like it has with the coronavirus. And I, I, I am like struggling to, to understand, you know, not understand, me as someone who who loves this whole footwear business, this whole the the whole idea of marketing, the whole idea of like content and connecting with people through storytelling, I have a really hard time just turning off my expectations for companies who I feel have stepped up to the plate in the past and now seem to be kind of backing off of that commitment. And I don't know, I don't know that that is something that's just a personal thing. I was curious, like everybody listening, if, if that's something that you think about. But one thing that I think about a lot right now is that as we come through this coronavirus stuff and COVID-19 and we try to find some form of normal in the next, you know, six months, year, five years, whatever that looks like, you know, we don't know that that's even going to be a possibility. But one thing that's going to be way more important for me, and it was already important for me to begin with. But now it's like, I want to know exactly who I'm supporting with every dollar I spend, whether that's, you know, my local taco spot that, that I'm buying nachos from, or, you know, the sneakers that I'm buying, or the clothing that I'm buying, or the people that I like, I pay to make our t-shirts, you know, like all of these things become exponentially more important for me personally. And I actually think that there's going to be a lot more people looking at things like that, because if you're, if, if I was, you know, 17, 18 years old right now, looking at the world falling apart, I'm looking at all the brands going, well, they, they claim to have had, you know, the billion dollar, you know, valuation here, or we just got 500 million in investments, or, you know, like Kylie Jenner is made a, is worth a billion dollars or whatever those things are. If those companies that have these big numbers associated with them financially, if they aren't committing to doing the right things in this time right now where things are really um, difficult, then why would I want to give them my money afterwards? Because they've kind of like, like blew the opportunity to step up to the plate in, in a sense, you know, does that make sense? So for you, Robbie, do you see that as, um, 
I mean, I know you kind of already are that way anyway, but do you think that'll be more, even more heavy in your thought process when it comes to buying things in the future? I mean, yes and no. Um, I like to think that this won't have a lot effect on my life, <laughs> even going forward and into my wallet, but you never know. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a tough one. Yeah, I don't know. So everybody that's out there listening, I pose the same question to you. Like, are we going to become more conscious of, of who we're giving our money to? Or is this just going to be one of those things where, um, you know, we get like back to normal and forget that there was, uh, you know, a, a giant virus that <laughs> took over the, the world for a while. All right. So let's get into, uh, I guess, something, I, I guess something potentially a little posit more positive than uh, coronavirus stuff, um, depending on how you feel. But we want to talk about the new Kevin Durant shoe, the KD 13. And, uh, I guess probably the history of Kevin Durant shoes, right? Because we can't talk about the latest one without talking about how we got to it. Right. So, um, I think, I think I'm gonna toss this to Robbie because I know Robbie has a lot of experience with some of those KDs. So you want to, you want to kick it off, Robbie? Yeah. I mean, I guess we could start off by saying we've come a long way since, 2009 where we probably had one of the more basic looking signature shoes there's ever been and that's to with a point um kevin durant always tried to keep his shoes for a long time under the hundred dollar price point then it was 120 then it was 160 now it's like 180 but um you know back with the kd1 you know, very few colorways came out, very simplistic. Um, the two things I always found really cool about it, and maybe you've noticed this, um, the old KD logo. It was much more fat and rounded. Um, it was like a pudgy KD logo. Um, they also did that with Kyrie. They switched his logo subtly. But um, the KD one had a really cool logo. And then the swoosh was really cool. So the swoosh played in to this like wrap detail. So it looked like the swoosh was going all the way around and they could do some cool fading things. But it was ultimately like a Nike BB mid, but uh, with Kevin Durant stuff on it. So do you, before we go into the 13, but do you guys remember that first one? Any uh, fond Seattle memories? Or I guess, no, OKC was the first year he wore it. Um, so yeah, any fond... Uh, Second year, KD. Well, it had a super nice colorway. Uh, that was probably my favorite one of the uh, of the KD one. So yeah, I think I think that's my favorite too. Because right, that was the the KD one. If I remember right, was like almost like split toned, right? So one side would be yellow, and one side would be white with green, with like in the Sonics colorway. But it also was like it it had almost like different materials on every one, right? Yes. Well, they were mostly so, leather. So, I mean, for the most part, you were looking at a leather thing going on. But Gotcha. Yeah, I think I think for me, the only one that really stood out, uh, you know, there, there was obviously a black and orange one that stood out. But, you know, the Sonics one was, uh, 
the only one I really cared about because at that time, you know, that was the end of, of Seattle basketball uh, until the NBA gets their head straight and puts the team back. But <laughs> Well, it's interesting to see how Kevin Durant's first signature two and LeBron's for that matter didn't come with a lot of colorways, didn't come with a lot of special things. You saw Paul George one and then the Giannis and especially Kyrie have all these elaborate colorways to go with their shoes from the jump. Katie gave you OKC away, OKC home, you know, some supersonic stuff and like a black pair. So not, not a lot of options there. Um, Nick brought up a really cool point of how the shoe was split in half. Um, they would use that same kind of detail throughout the Katie line. Most notably the KD8 Christmas, where it was like white on the outside and like black and fiery on the innards. I mean, I guess the medial side. Um, so it's just funny how that's come, that's coming to be used many times. But now we have, you know, the talk of the town, what we've been seeing across all the blogs, the KD13, which we'll go into more, but it looks like a glorified team basketball shoe. You know, it's walking, it's rocking the the quad wire um, construction at the top, double stack zoom in the front. But outside of that, you know, very standard lacing system. The most notable feature would probably be the swoosh that goes from the upper onto the midsole or mudguard. But uh, they've kind of come full circle. Like the first KD was very, very simple. And this KD is also looking very simple. We've seen six colorways so far, too. You guys have any uh, love-hate relationship with this or favoritism towards any of the new colorways? Um, I actually think the like when you said going full circle to the first KD, I think the KD one had more character than this one because uh, you, you hit it right on the head. It, it looks like a glorified team shoe. When I look at it, if I didn't know it was a KD sneaker, I would walk right by it. Um, like this really reminds me, and I think Robbie told me the name of it yesterday, and it still slips my mind. But it reminds me of the shoe. I think it was the uh, shoe. Kate, uh, sorry, AD used to play in before he started playing at Kobe's uh, some years back when he was still in New Orleans, and it just doesn't. I don't know. Doesn't do anything for me. Uh, the colorways don't do anything for me. And we're gonna get deeper into that. The you know the the hype. The, you know that's the actual name for it, the hype colorway, but. Yeah, I think they try too hard with that particular uh, colorway and just everything else is, eh, I'm, I'm not going to buy it. I mean, the technology piece sounds amazing, but it's not, I don't think I'm enticed enough to buy it unless it goes down to, you know, in the low $60 range where I actually want to tear it up on a basketball court. Yeah. It was the Air Max Audacity. Audacity, that attitude, yeah, Audacity. The audacity of you to get it mixed up with attitude. <laughs> oh, look at that setup. Yeah, I don't. I don't really. I think this is just like a. I don't think it's ugly. I just don't think it's a signature shoe, and I think the stories that they're trying to tell, at least on these first handful, right? Like Planet of Hoops hype the whatever that R&B shoe is um chill chill uh they're just not they're they just don't resonate with me I guess um which it's kind of just weird to see 
elements of of what I would say, you know, Virgil Abloh's off-white kind of inspiration, right? Like the exaggerated stitching like midway through the swoosh, uh, the kind of overlay of the swoosh onto that like mid-panel or, you know, mid-sole panel. Um, all those things are just seem really forced for a, a performance basketball shoe. And on the same, you know, line of thinking, they seem, I guess, I don't know what the right word for it is, but they just seem uninspired when you can look at the shoe and see how basic the shape is and then see all of those things that kind of just look like, oh, okay, you pulled this idea off of other things. I don't know. I'm just uh, overall, I'm kind of disappointed in it visually. I am pretty curious about the performance because I thought the KD 12 was pretty nice uh, and it's super comfortable on foot. Like not like the biggest fan of it, you know, aesthetically, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a little leaves, leaves much to be desired for me. Very meh. Yeah. See, there is a bread colorway that looks cool just because I think all of us are kind of uh, conditioned to think black and red looks good on a shoe because it does. But um, those are pretty cool. There's like a white colorway with a black swoosh and multicolor outsole. Those kind of remind me of like the Net Cutter Society line from a couple years ago. But um, just not at the caliber of a signature shoe. And I think that's the same kind of problem. I would say about the Paul George four, um, it just doesn't give me that. And to keep using the same word again, that signature vibe, like that I'm getting something different that not just any NBA player is going to have or any player for that matter. Um, next, I think we all feel pretty differently. I'm going to kind of flip flop back now that we talked about the 13 a little bit, but um, looking back at it, Kevin Durant, when compared to like LeBron, doesn't nearly get the same kind of like, I, I want to say royal treatment because he's the king, but he doesn't quite get the same level of treatment with his Nike shoes than LeBron does. Like we see LeBron with PEs for every single game. Every one of LeBron's debut colorways have a story behind it or they, you know, they make up a nickname and there's something really kind of telling behind it. Um, just having a black and gray shoe without any kind of like, um, you know, throwbacks to the Brooklyn Nets or, you know, any branding of his team feels like a missed opportunity when the best kind of colorway you give us is a quote unquote hype colorway. I mean, when you call something hype, you, you know, you're trying too hard at that point. I mean, I, I mean, you can look at the design that he's going for I mean, with the, he's trying to, play off of the high fashion shoes with the, you know, the, the what you see sometimes was is that the Versace chain reaction with the chains all over it and he has butterflies on it. I mean, trying to give you that high fashion look since he does like, he is a, you know, big fashion head, but ah, there's just no way I would buy any of those again for, for retail. I guess, I guess here's a follow up to that too then. So like LeBron can sell shoes with Laker colorways We've seen the LeBron 7 that we're all kind of salivating over that has the mismatched Laker colorway. Mm -hmm. You know, 
could you have put like a, a you know a Brooklyn Nets branding on here or something tied to more his basketball, his direct play onto the shoe? Like would that have made a difference or would you like to see stuff like that? How are you going to do it though? Because like the, the LeBron has done so well and simple at the same time, where it's, it's mismatched. You know, got the purple and gold and the gold and purple and the other. Um, I think if they did something like that. It'd be cool. I mean, I may not be the biggest fan of mismatched shoes all the time, but I think there is a time and place one now as I continue to, you know, uh, to see them. And you just got to be careful because black and white shoes are so basic that they get overlooked. Uh, like the recent black and white pack or cookies and cream pack, whatever they called it, with the three signatures, the PG4, KD. Um, when it was it KD? Uh, no, it was a, the Greek Freak PG4 and then the Kyrie 6 all came out the black and white colorway. And it just seemed kind of like, uh, we just want to put out another colorway of it. So you just got to be really careful with the particular colors that you get with the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, put some things that represent KD and Brooklyn. I think you may have a, a winning combination there, but you got to be real careful with it, I think. I mean, I think, I think throwing NBA logos on sneakers limits the people that are going to buy it. I think that Adidas kind of proved this, um, you know, with the crazy eight Brooklyn Nets that they did. Um, I don't know when that was five, six years ago, where the shoes like, you know, a pretty cool mix of black and white um, and the Nets logo on uh, on the tongue and to me i would potentially buy the shoe without that nets logo um i think that i think there's a lot of ways they could go about that though right one of the ways that like comes to mind for me is making it customizable with you know whatever removable velcro type patches where you could throw in you know considering nike has the licensing agreement with the nba you could throw in team logos with shoes or maybe sell them even separately where you could customize them. You know, thinking of like the, you know, Tinker Hatfield threes or whatever, where you've got like the elephant print swoosh, all those kind of things always are a little bit more appealing than just a regular release. Right. Because I think all of us that wear sneakers and pay attention to them, have either at one time customized shoes, had somebody customize a shoe, or at least have the thought or like, you know, maybe we swap out laces like Robbie was saying with the cool grays. I think that that is kind of a natural way for them to pull those licensing agreements together, cover the bases to have a shoe that might represent the Nets, and yet at the same time not be stuck to being a Nets shoe for people that aren't Nets fans. And the one thing that I think about the KD line, you know, more recently that I just think that they are missing a lot of opportunities. And I don't know if, you know, this might have something to do with the fact that KD has been, you know, plagued with injuries for the past few years. And obviously he's gotten a lot of hate over the past few years as well. But there are so many things that I think, you know, the storytelling aspects of, you know, what he does on court or what he does off court are still the key to good story to, to good, you know, 
product design and storytelling, marketing, whatever you want to call it. So my, the first thing that came to mind when I said that is, you know, he did this court in San Francisco last summer and it's super colorful. Um, you know, it's like a, his uh, charity foundation, you know, built it. And those are the types of things where like, why wouldn't you just make a shoe with that same graphics or same color palette and, you know, kind of create the moment for people that are fans of KD? Because even though he was only in the Bay Area for, you know, a short amount of time, people liked him there, you know, like the, the Warriors fans are, are dedicated, you know, and I think that the same could be said about any signature athlete, right? It's all about like, you know, really putting an effort to connect with the community that's, that's supporting, you know, the athlete. And if everything is kind of this, like, you know, I, I don't want to say like obscure, but like you look at like the KD 13s and the chill based on R and B, you know, an R and B playlist, the bread, obviously off of like, you know, bread 11, the hype that we talked about, you know, I don't have anything against hype. I think that like, it's, it's kind of funny that they put all that stuff together. It would have been even funnier if they did like a blank box logo type hype shoe, but um, you know, like poking fun at Supreme or something, but I can't knock anybody for, for like getting swept up in it. Right. Like I do over certain things like unabashedly without any hesitation, get stuck on like, you know, black and orange color combos on sneakers, Allen Iverson shoes. Like, I I mean, it's like, it's like seriously a problem for me. And so I can't knock that. But at the same time, if that's the only thing that you're pushing out there, then it's not going to be something that ever that like most people can relate to. Now, thinking about the, the the basketball court in San Francisco, if you were to take that shoe and even the KD thirteen, right? Like it doesn't have to be; it could be any model. But like, take the KD thirteen, you throw that color palette on the shoe, and then take that shoe to that court and tie those things together for consumers. People can then look at that and be like, damn, KD built a court in San Francisco in a, you know, in a relatively, you know, not good neighborhood. I don't know if you can actually say that in San Francisco at this point because everything's so expensive, but the whole story could be really cool. And to me, there hasn't been a lot of that with the KD line for quite a few years. So I tend to just think that a lot of that has to do with his you know, what has it been? It's basically been two full years of him being hurt. Right. So, you know, that to me is kind of a sign that he needs to have a little bit more, um, a little bit more love, you know, to Robbie's point about LeBron being the top dog at Nike and having, you know, PEs all the time. KD hasn't had the opportunity to like go that far in recent years. And you can kind of see that they've pulled back even, um, in the number of colorways that released over the past, you know, two, three, four years, it seems like. So you brought up a lot of good points of like colorways and making connections. I have a couple Kevin Durant's here that I think all do those things. So um, I think the first off, easiest one to kind of single out is the creamsicle Kevin Durant. 
So the KD2 Creamsicle. Um, Nick, it's one of your favorite sneakers in terms of like team moments. But that one definitely had the colorway, the story, the design. Everything kind of came in together and played very well. I mean, yeah, that's that's one of those like one of those colorways that I think they did a couple times because it looked so good on that on that particular shoe. I mean, the creamsicle. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't have much to say about. It. I mean, it is one of those. It's just, I think it's a classic KD colorway. I mean, at least for the time he was with with OKC. Yeah, I mean, I think that you know, for me was. Obviously, I'm a big fan of orange, but that was like just such a, a cool thing to see as a basketball fan because you don't get to see that very often anymore where an entire team will, you know, lace up a player's shoes and, you know, show support. And I think maybe that might even be like a, a nostalgia thing for me. I mean, one of the now you see coaches wearing wearing sneakers all the time. But one of the coolest things as a kid I remember is seeing Phil Jackson wear the black and red, uh, you know, black cement Jordan four, you know, when when Michael was playing. Right. Like and as a kid, seeing a coach wear, you know, a pair of Jordans, you know, you didn't at, at, you know, 10 years old, you didn't realize that Phil Jackson was a former basketball player. You you just see him as like a head coach in the NBA. And to think of him wearing those shoes with the suit was just like such a crazy thing for me. And I think like, you know, KD's creamsicle is the the pinnacle of that as far as the team moment goes. And still one of my favorite KD's to this day because of it. And it just like seeing all those guys on ESPN on the bench wearing those bright ass orange shoes. And, you know, you just don't get to see that very often, especially with the way, you know, there's dozens of sneaker companies out there trying to um, sign people to deals. So you don't even see like consistency from brands. But at that moment, you know, a majority of the team in Oklahoma City was actually, uh, you know, tied to Nike or or free agent in a sense to where they could wear those shoes and supporting KD. That was just a really fun time with Kevin Durant because he was known as like a nice guy. There were no expectations, really, for him to lead a team to a championship. We're always enjoying his scoring. And um, while we're kind of talking about the KD2, there was an unreleased sample um, called Horse. Now, you might know this if you've seen SportsCenter the past couple days, but the NBA is talking about bringing back like a horse competition where players are in their own home gym and are playing horse long distance. But All-Star Weekend in the late 2000s used to have games of horse as a part of it and Kevin Durant was the two-time champion of horse so um, he had a horse PE for the KD2 and the KD3 so I'll use that as the segue to where his shoes really started getting interesting I mean they had some dope stuff you know there was all the OKC colorways that were you know your stock black orange and blue but they had a really clean EA Sports colorway. Um, there was a scoring title one that was really interesting. The all-star pair was this really cool gradient red. Um, the Christmas, a.k.a. yellow lights, were really clean. Um, just a lot of good options. And I actually had a pair of KD3s 
I got them for like 45 bucks while working at Nike. And they were just like the black and pair with like the orangey red laces. And those were really crispy for just being a black basic basketball shoe, but it had a little bit of flair to it. Like any threes stand out in your mind? The three that, that stands out to me um, was the Washington Redskins colorway. It was like that burgundy with the gum outsole. I mean, there were a lot of great colorways on the shoe, but I ended up picking up a pair of those back in the day for like 20 bucks um, at like Ross or Marshall's or something. And I thought the shoe was super dope. I, I, I don't know if I still have them. They might be in storage, but I th- think I might have given them away because I was just moving around a lot at that time. But I think the other thing, too, with with that, you know, those first few is, you know, like reiterating like the storytelling aspect of it. Right. Like the horse thing is such a cool thing. And I remember that horse, um, Katie, too, because it was all three M on the upper. Right. I mean, that's like bananas. If you if you did that with any of his shoes and you had that story of like, yeah, he won, you know, uh, you know, 10 years ago, 10 years later, we most people might not even remember that or know that. But to me, that's what makes a great shoe, you know, a long living great shoe in a sense. Yes. Yeah, man, I remember, uh, I guess it had to be about 2010, 2011. I think it might have been 2011 when um, I was going to, uh, I went to Nice Kicks in Austin and I was just, you know, I was just there visiting some some buddies that went to UT and they had a pair of the KD3 Christmases on sale. And I just remember they were on, they were on their sales table, but they were like a half size too big, so I ended up not buying them. And it's one of those ones I kind of kicked myself. I'm like, you could just put on two pairs of socks. It would have been all right. They were like 75 bucks just sitting there. Ended up buying like a pair of like Pegasus or something. <laughs> Especially with basketball shoes, a half size doesn't make up a lot of difference. So, I mean, yeah. we're, we're not really going to go through every single KD because there's just a ton of them. But just we'll kind of wrap up on the four just to prove the point that there was a time and even a buildup to when Kevin Durant shoes were really thoughtful and creative. And I would almost even say youthful. Because, you know, keep in mind, he was very young. He only played one year at Texas. But he would have stuff calling out to his mom and even, you know, University of Texas PEs. But it all kind of comes to the forefront um, with the KD4, which I think most people are still stuck in the past and think and will forever think that's the best KD ever made. But that was really like the tipping point of his popularity with shoes and just the insane colorways behind them. You know, for me, if I had to choose one of the bunch, I thought about it more. And it would definitely be the Galaxy. Because just that silver 3M upper, the little horse on it, the Galaxy print on the inside. It was just so cool. He was just young, jumping around, happy, wasn't burning people on Twitter. It was just like <laughs> a really simple, fun time. And uh, yeah, the four was just... For me, it still is the best. But um, what do you guys think about kind of the, that being like the high point for him? Oh, I 100% agree with you, man. The KD4 was hands down my favorite KD and I think the best KD 
that there's been at this point. It's hard for me to pick one because I was going through them again too, and I'm like, the scoring title was an awesome one. The Black History Month for that year was legit. I mean, of course, Nerf and Weatherman are just all-time classic sneakers to begin with. The first ever Unt Pearl was just an amazing-looking sneaker. And I think one of my two of my favorites that are actually attainable at this point are the Year of the Dragon, that all blue uh, with the with the dragon detailing on it, and then the Rogue Green, which everyone liked to call Undefeated, which were a general release, but I think they only like were at certain stores. I remember Finish Line got them, but other stores didn't, and I never was able to actually find it in person, but it's definitely one I like to uh, like to add to the collection. Yeah, for, I mean, I don't think I think it'll be really tough unless unless KD, you know, unless we get the NBA back in KD either, you know, wins a scoring title or a championship or both uh, or MVP, whatever that looks like. I don't know that you'll have the kind of energy that you had around the KD4, mainly because the shoe itself, you know, I think was it was a progression of the, you know, the first three, but also it was it was definitely different than the first three, right? It like stood out. So I think the colorways that, that were on the four, you know, the Nerf is by far my favorite. That would be one of the, one of the KDs that I would love to see retro if, if it does happen. Um, the black history month one is, is also a favorite. And then like, I think that rogue green kind of like military looking with the almost like undefeated looking with the, you know, the, the rogue green, but it was kind of that, dark brown or not dark brown like that dark green like light brown with orange accents those all those like i could if if they were at retail right now i'd be interested in copping pairs of them you know just because i think they look so good but um you know one thing i think that the katie line did do a good job with that uh people forget about is there was a lot of the a lot of like I guess out there colorways that landed on the six, um, you know, the, the aunt Pearl, the, what the, you know, the, uh, what was the, what was the floral one? I forget the version of the KD six that it was. That was on Pearl was the floral one. Well, there was a, there was like an embroidered floral one. Oh, that was like the EXT, wasn't it? Yeah. EXT. Yeah. And then, and, and then you had like that preheat, like that, that whole thing was, you know, it was like, they, they really pushed the envelope there and maybe it didn't do as well as I thought it would, but like I felt like they backed off on the crazy colorways after that happened. Yeah, which is crazy because the KD six is actually pretty, pretty legit when it comes to. I mean, you also had the uh, meteorology colorway, it was a playoff to Weatherman, but this one was like heat mapping. It was black and it had like the red heat mapping on it, which was really cool. Uh, they tried to do it with the phone positive at the same time, but it just did not have the same effect. Uh, this um then you had that was the bamboo six it was like a metallic green with like brown accents the the six was super awesome and it was it was a really low cut and i don't i think it was one of those shoes that were translated well on and off the court so i think you're, you're right that's another one that people i would put that below the four in kind of like the pecking order of uh of kd's the six has like one of the most uncomfortable tongues in the history of tongues. 
it like cut into your foot so bad. Um, I was telling Mike before recording, um, I've owned probably like 12 pairs of KDs, the various models, and I sold every single pair once he went to, you know, once he went to the Warriors. I was definitely on that Katie's a snake boat. So uh, I completely offloaded everything. But, you know, even beyond the six, there was good eights. There was good sevens. There was really good Katie sevens. Um, they've never really been bad, especially when you think about how hooked up college teams are. I mean, Oregon, Arizona, Michigan, um, Duke, Kentucky, you know, all these schools get insane gorgeous Kevin Durant PEs every single year. And it just shows that they can do it. Just you got to be like a D1 athlete to get that kind of love. We could talk all day about Kevin Durant's, but I think the ultimate theme is that the 13 feels a little uninspired, might've hit the fever pitch at about the four. And then it kind of started coming into its own at the two with some fading between like the five and 12. <laughs> right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so my question for you guys would be like, what are one, do you think Katie's should or will be retro, let's say in the next three, four years. And if you could have three Katie's retro, what would they be? Oh, dude, I think they should be retro. That was it, art of a champion or whatever it was called that pack when they had all the different shoes from, from past champions, they, they brought back a four in that, that Thunderstruck colorway. Clearly, they uh, I think they're priming us for it, hopefully. But the three I want, would want to get my hands on would be the uh, KD4 Galaxy. Uh, probably all KD4s, actually. Uh, the KD4 Nerf and then the KD4 Yuta um, Dragon. I'd be all fours, but I'm okay with that. That's the one you're going with. I mean, I'm going to have to say the PE route. So either like the Oregon, the Oregon um, KD11s were really clean. Um, so were the Yukons, um, Dukes, Kentucky 12s are really cool. Um, but yeah, I, I want to see not just a retro. I mean, if we're going retro, um, here's a really weird one. Give me the Liger. KD6s. Those were pretty cool. Those are interesting. But um, yeah, I want to see some college stuff drop. You don't have to put the schools on it. Just let me get some of these gorgeous, weird-ass colorways. Yeah, I think for me, I got I to gotta go creamsicles at the very top. That one I would just love to get my hands on. Um, the next one would be the KD2 creamsicle. The next one's probably Nerf's I just, I think, you know, growing up in that era, it was just like the perfect kind of, the perfect kind of combination of nostalgia for me, um, sneakers and, and Nerf basketball. And then probably that, uh, I don't know, pro probably that the other four, the, the road green four, kind of the undefeated looking colorway. But I mean, the more I think about it too, I actually think the seven was pretty solid, um, except for, you know, it was crazy heavy with that like posit type material, in my opinion. But the, the colorways, the, like if you could take the great colorways of the KD line and apply it to that silhouette, 
it would make for some interesting shoes, in my opinion. Yeah, dude, seven wasn't bad. I actually had the Weatherman mm-hmm. sevens, and uh, they were cool to wear just again casually. I tried to play on them, but they they are pretty heavy with that deposit on the back. They seem pretty uneven when you play on them. Hmm. All right. Well, uh, I mean, that's that's a that's a pretty solid rundown of the KD line. Let us know what you guys think of the KD line. You think we'll see retros soon? Would you cop retros? I mean, obviously the Thunderstruck, like Mike said, kind of primes us for it. But um, uh, there's there's way too many good ones kind of left back in history. And, you know, next year would technically be uh, 10 years for the KD4. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see it. But as always, we appreciate all of you for uh, sticking with us and tuning in. If you've got a couple extra minutes while you're uh, staying at home, uh, give us a review on iTunes or maybe even consider joining us on Patreon. We drop uh, additional episodes of the podcast over there and uh, you know, kind of just talk trash with, with our patron members um, about sneakers and, and life stuff. So uh, we would appreciate it. And um, my name is Nick Ingvall. You can follow me at Nick Ingvall on all platforms. More importantly, just follow at Sneaker History on all the platforms. We're on uh, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Tumblr, uh, probably someplace else, SoundCloud. Uh, I don't know. But anyway, guys, <laughs> let them know how they can find you. Everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> you guys can uh, find me at uh, Instagram and Twitter at MadWatcher789 or YouTube at Mike Guillory. Robbie, where can they find you? You can find me at R-A-H-B-E-E-702. Right on. Well, thank you all for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Peace. See you. Bye. Hey, everyone. This is Nick again. Before you take off, I wanted to ask a couple favors of you. If you're interested in more content from the Sneaker History crew... Become a member of our Patreon page where we post daily content, drop exclusive episodes, and host monthly giveaways. We'll even help you hunt for your grails. Check us out at patreon.com slash sneakerhistory. Also, make sure you sign up for our email newsletter at sneakerhistory.com slash email. We send out weekly updates on the footwear business and what we're working on here at Sneaker History. Last but not least, take a second to tell someone you like their kicks today. You never know how much it means to someone, and it might even plant the seeds for something even bigger. As always, we appreciate you, and we'll catch you next time. Peace. Hey, hey, Nick here again. Before you take off, I want to thank you for listening to the Sneaker History Podcast. Be sure to hop into our Discord to answer this episode's The Last Shot question and get to know our community of sneaker enthusiasts. If you'd like more insights on the trending topics in the sneaker world, I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com slash newsletter. And last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. You never know how far a simple compliment can take you, And we all know how good it feels to be on the receiving end of some appreciation. Thank you for all the support, and we will catch you on the next episode. Peace.